Hi, this is Steve O'Mooney, and you're listening to another great show only on the 4i Radio Network. For more great shows, feel free to check out www.4iradio.com. Wallop and web snappers. My spider sense is tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Doug. And I'm Derek. And is your spider sense tingling? Cha, and it's telling me I have an awesome paper mashate volcano. <laughs> to listen to this show, find us on 4iradio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. And this week, we are continuing our coverage of Spider-Man, the 2017 cartoon, which we've been enjoying and we just came off of a very bizarre episode that i mentioned last week i had mixed feelings on that were sort of soothed a bit by this week's episode so i'm excited to talk about this week's episode definitely if you want to watch along with us this show is available on disney plus the episode we're talking about today is spider-man 2017 season one episode eight entitled stark Expo. I had a typo. I wrote Stark Stark Epo. <laughs> Epo. <laughs> Stark I don't know why Epo. that was funny. It's Stark Epo. Um, oh, it's a Stark Expo, actually. And the synopsis per IMDb is Ghost hijacks the Stark Expo, and Spider-Man must use the symbiote to save the day. Oh. It's the most spoil- spoilery uh, <laughs> synopsis yeah. that we've gotten. Wow, I'm I'm genuinely glad I didn't see that synopsis for this episode. I haven't been afraid of the synopses for this series like I was for Spectacular, uh, yeah. but that I'm glad I didn't see. <laughs> I wouldn't have been happy. The Disney Plus uh, description doesn't mention the symbiote at all, I don't think, if I remember correctly. So, like, yeah, yeah, because well, I think that's... I mean, I guess if you're watching live, it wasn't a surprise because they aired all of all the symbiote stuff on the same day. But sure. if you're not paying attention to that or watching on Disney Plus, like even though like the V two fifty two is a factor in this episode, it's so in the background and they wrapped up the last episode in such a little bow that I think you wouldn't be faulted for just not just assuming that that's not going to come into play again. So I mean, good because I wasn't expecting it, and I don't want to be faulted. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I think the impact of the episode is exactly that moment. So for it to be in the synopsis uh, is kind of a kind of a bold choice there, yeah. IMDb yeah. synopsis writer, whomever you are. I was in the same boat as you were. I didn't expect it to just like come out, come in like that either. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so the original air date, like I said, it's the same. Uh, it's the same as last week and the week before. It aired on September sixteenth, twenty seventeen. Um, it was written by familiar guys, Kevin Shinnick and J.T. Krull. I will say I called him J.T. Krull when we last talked about him on our episode 83, but I, she should be proud of me. I did good, and I looked up a YouTube video <laughs> of an interview with him to make sure that I was pronouncing his name right, because I wasn't. It's J.T. Krull, so I'm getting better at that. I made um, you self-conscious. <laughs> made me self-conscious enough that now I will just obsessively do it for every name that ever pops up in the history of the world. <laughs> um, 
Yes, we talked about Kroll on our episode 83. We talked about Schick on our episode 77. He's like the main story editor for the show, so know him very know him very well. Uh, it was directed by Dan Duncan, who we also talked about on our episode 77. We do actually have a couple of voice actors to talk about here because we have two characters that are introduced and play a major role. One of these voice actors we've talked about before many times, and one we haven't. So we are introduced in this episode to Tony Stark, uh, a.k.a. Iron Man, and he is voiced by Mick Wingert. And if you watched this episode and couldn't tell somehow, Mick Wingert is a voice-alike actor for Robert Downey Jr. (laughs) Um, And he took over Tony Stark duty from Adrian Pazdar, a number of recent Disney animated series. And he's also the voice of Tony Stark in Marvel Future Avengers. Um, it's very clear and not surprising the impact that Robert Downey Jr. had on Iron Man and, uh, you know, Marvel entirely moving forward because the voice actors they get very much imitate Robert Downey Jr.'s version of Tony Stark. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I don't really think I think I ultimately don't like it in this one because I think that. And this is it's weird because I don't think that it's like bad or whatever. I think it's a good it's a, it's a really it is a really good imitation of Robert Downey Jr. But mm-hmm. it sounds like someone doing an impression of Robert Downey Jr. Rather than someone sounding like acting as a character who happens to sound like Robert Downey Jr. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you can yeah tell, no, I totally you can, do. You can tell that he's putting on the Robert Downey Jr. voice, and I get the I get the inclination to do that, but it ends up just being distracting, and and often like there are times when it sounds fine, and then there are times when it really just sounds kind of stilted and forced because it's like someone trying to perform it like a person that they aren't, and not not in a way that they're trying to get into the character. They're trying to get into an actor playing a character, you know, like a different actor that's playing a different character, a different version of the character. Like it's, it just, it ends up feeling really inauthentic even when he's doing a reasonably good job. And I don't fault him for it. That was just his direction, I'm sure. Yeah, no, I think that's that's really important to clarify is, is and actually the reason I specifically said a voice alike, because I think it's important to note that it's no mistake that Mick Wingert is imitating Robert Downey Jr. You can tell they wanted that. And he does a very good job. Like Mick Wingert is a talented voice actor, but I think that being too married to Robert Downey Jr. as opposed to just the characterization of Tony Stark is a problem. And I don't think that they should continue doing that, although they're going to. (laughs) Yep. Because Robert Downey Jr.'s version of Iron Man is, I I don't mind them taking inspiration from it, especially in like his characterization and even his energy. But it's like they're not really doing that so much as just trying to talk like Robert Downey Jr. But Robert Downey Jr. talks like Robert Downey Jr. because he's Robert Downey Jr. So it's going to sound natural for him to talk like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's that's the danger you run into with voice alikes, right? Because it's, you know, Robert Downey Jr., large – I mean, he's acting. He's a talented actor. But what makes Tony Stark, the MCU version of Tony Stark, as, you know, charismatic and quirky as he is, is Robert Downey Jr. doing it. So, yeah, um, yeah you're right. It is, it is more um, – it is more Mick Wingert acting like Robert Downey Jr. acting like Tony Stark than it is Mick Wingert doing an interpretation of Tony Stark inspired by Robert Downey Jr. But yeah. with almost 100% certainty, I can say that he was told to do that. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. no reason it would come across the way that it 
does without that being the direction because Mick Wingert is in other things. Um, he is also voice alike for Jack Black and Dan Fogler in Kung Fu Panda stuff that isn't the films. So clearly huh. he's good at doing this. Interesting. But it's not the only thing he does. He has also provided voices for a slew of familiar Western animated series, English anime dubs, and video games, such as Sophia the First and Voltron Legendary Defender, Boruto and Ultraman, and Fire Emblem Heroes Red Dead Red Dead Red Dead 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 Red Dead Detemption Two Oh my god. Red Dead Redemption Two and unsurprisingly, Insomniac's Spider-Man. So he is, you know, he's not just a voice-alike actor, as most voice-alikes wouldn't be. People are chosen as voice-alikes because it's a specific impression, typically, that they can do. But yeah, that's clearly what he was called in to do here. <laughs> yep. And then the other character we're introduced to is voiced by somebody we're very familiar with, and that character is Ghost, and that voice actor is Jim Cummings, who we first talked about in our Walloping Web Snappers episode five as Shocker in the 90s animated series. And we mentioned him briefly in our After Dark number four as Hak Fu from the Jackie Chan Adventures. And we just talked about him, I think, two weeks ago as the voice of Hammerhead in this very series. Yeah. Question for you. Uh-huh. Jim Cummings doing yeah. Ghost. Yeah. What other voice does he use? This, like, what other character does he use this voice for? Because oh. I could not for the life of me figure it out. Hmm. But it was so familiar to me. I mean, nothing was really hitting me. I just heard Jim. I mean, I knew it was Jim Cummings as soon as he was talking. So I didn't even really think beyond that. Oh, but I swear. And maybe it's many characters. But I just like could not, for the life of me, figure out, like, what character have I heard him voice with this particular voice? Because Jim Cummings doesn't. I mean, you can tell when it's him frequently, but it's not like he has one voice. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I just like, oh, it was driving me absolutely bonkers because I was like, who, who is it that that ghost sounds like? Um, oh, and I just couldn't I figure know. it out. And I was hoping that that you had an answer for me. Somebody, somebody, let me know. Somebody will know because it's it's gonna drive me bonkers until I figure it out. <laughs> yeah, sorry, can't help you. That did <sighs> I did not have that same brain brain blip happened oh so. it was it the whole episode it was going off i was trying to figure it out it was very distracting the first time i was watching it that's so funny <laughs> which is not to say he does a bad job jim cummings never does a bad job yeah but i mean the character he's playing is not unlike probably many villains that have existed that he may have played before exactly exactly like it's not it's not it's not a particularly like nuanced character that he's playing no. in this episode no. by a long shot so no i i could almost see them being like hey remember when you did that character like bring that here you know like i wouldn't be surprised right. if it was something like that so mm-hmm. i don't know somebody let me know so i can sleep at night um but those are the two characters that are that play a major role in this episode that we are introduced to here really yep. opens up our universe big time to have tony stark here We've had references to the Avengers and references to Iron Man, but for him to actually show up in the episode, that kind of blows things up a little bit. Oh, yeah. You know, I didn't really think about that. Yeah. We haven't had any any other Marvel characters yet. Uh, Narp. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a it, that definitely is the polar opposite to the show that came before this. Like, oh, my 100%. God. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> the fact that it took eight episodes here is like uh, incredible compared to Ultimate. Yeah, and it's not the whole Avengers. It's just Tony Stark, and very mm-hmm. much like in a, in a in a special guest star kind of way too. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, despite my like misgivings about like the voice performance, I think Tony Stark as a character is is pretty well used in this episode. So yeah, yeah. My complaint about the voice acting is solely just my concern for them being too married to Robert Downey Jr. as opposed to the characterization. Um, yeah. Otherwise, I think Mick Winger does a good job. 
you know, yeah. with what he's given. Yeah. So this episode opens with Spider-Man swinging through the city and recapping the events of the previous episode in case you didn't uh, if, if you didn't watch this live and didn't just see it, <laughs> see the past two episodes minutes before. If you skipped the second episode of the trilogy. Right. <laughs> so recapping the events of the previous episode as he uh, makes his way to the Stark Expo. Outside, Spider-Man reflects on the times he attended the Stark Expo with Uncle Ben. So, actually, that definitely implies... I thought last week we were sort of like Horizon Highs won the Stark Expo, like, every single time. Maybe it, maybe it's still really new. But if he's been seeing it with Uncle Ben, then it's like, well, I guess he just died. So, I guess it could still be new. I don't know. It sounds... He said multiple. Whatever. And Peter's, what, <laughs> 16 years old? So... Yeah. I don't know. If he's been going to it for six years, he's been going since he was 10 years old. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, it could still be new, but I, you know, we don't get clarity on that and probably won't. Yeah. Well, either way, on the roof of the expo, Spider-Man sees a mysterious figure phasing in and out. When he calls out the figure, they charge at him. So readying his fists for a fight, Spider-Man is surprised when this mysterious figure just like phases right through him. So um, Spidey tries to use his webbing to stop the figure, but realizes that like by passing and phasing through him, that somehow like shorted out his web shooters. So not able to use his webbing right now. For a for a totally different reason than we're used to, which is exciting. Yeah, yeah, not out of, not out of not out of web fluid this time. <laughs> oh, this is this is a minor thing. This is a, a line that I thought was cute at the beginning of the episode when when Spidey's like recapping the events of, of the last couple episodes. He's like, mm-hmm. "Oh yeah, it's good to be back in the old threads." Well, the old new threads. Like I like that it's another acknowledgement by how <laughs> at how early in his career this actually is. That's true because this is his second suit, so he's already gone through three suits in like what. <laughs> A month, a couple of months, <laughs> maybe one month. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is a good line. I didn't even catch that. Yeah, yeah. I also, I mean, we don't really get his. He's not identified as like ghost yet, but it's clear yeah, who we he can is. Call we get that. a good it's look fine. at him. We get a good look at him. Um, I like his design a lot. I'm not really super familiar with the character from the comics very much. Like, I really just yeah. know the version that's in Ant Man and the Wasp, and I know that was a, a pretty radically different take on the ghost that they did there. Um, but I like this ghost design, like the sort of like hooded spectral, almost like moon Knight kind of look with, but he's like got like a skeleton face. It's almost like task, ma- uh, Taskmaster. Like he's kind of a combination. That's kind of, of what villains. I thought they were doing when I first saw him. I was like, Oh, really? this is interesting. This is, this yeah. is different. <laughs> but then it made sense, obviously when I saw him phasing in and out. Yeah. But I, I like it. It's cool. I mean, like I said, it's kind of like, it looks like other villains that exist, but I mean, it works for, for this dude. And we haven't seen yeah. the other villains, so he these gets the one up on him anyway, so it works. It's a far more intricate design than we've seen for any villain thus far. I mean, it is very detailed. 100%, yeah. Well, as uh, this figure, the ghost, jumps off the roof, leaving Spider-Man completely bamboozled as to what just happened, a voice calls out to him from the other direction, and Spider-Man turns to find Iron Man? What? So, mistaking Spider-Man for an intruder, Iron Man attempts to trap Spider-Man in an electric cage. And Spider-Man insists, like, no, 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 I was trying to stop an intruder. I am not the intruder. I actually really like this because we just had an episode where, like, Spider-Man was confusing, like, Vulture for a bad guy when he wasn't being a bad guy. And now Mm -hmm. Spider-Man is sort of, like, in a situation just after, like, shedding the black suit where, like, he is also kind of technically doing something wrong, but he wasn't really doing something wrong. Like... I don't know. It's yeah. just fun. <laughs> the yeah. misunderstanding of it all is fun. It's a fun little parallel to that for yeah. sure. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, yeah. Spider-Man burns his hand on the cage. Like, as he tries to flip away from being trapped in the cage, he kind of grabs at it just instinctually, which, like, zaps his hand. And then he and Iron Man clash for a little bit. But Iron Man pretty quickly realizes Spider-Man is, as he describes him, just a 97-pound kid because he, like, sees that, you know, he I think his thing says, like, 13 to 17 years old. Yeah. Um, and gives him like an ID, which I thought was really strange. I tried to look it up. And the only thing I could figure out is that the number 62 is in the ID, which is, you know, the year Amazing Fantasy 15 came out. But I could not figure out the rest of it. And I don't understand what what it even means for Iron Man to give Spider-Man an ID. But whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the important part is that he realizes Spider-Man is just a kid and that he gets the analysis that he's only 97 pounds, which will continue to be a theme throughout the episode. Um, he's so tiny so tiny he's which so which actually so makes tiny. sense because last week we were just talking about how tiny peter and miles are yeah yeah <laughs> so iron man realizes this and he sort of pauses because he realizes he's fighting a kid and spider-man takes advantage of that moment to create basically a smoke screen and escape right. and iron man comments like that's pretty clever spider-man good job yep 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 so inside the stark expo peter arrives late of course as always to horizon high's booth where oh my god okay i laugh i there's there's a couple of things in here that are like well really just one thing that's like a big deal here i'll get to that in a second (laughs) i laughed out loud so much both times i watched it peter shows up and you know miles gwen otto and anya are all there at their booth and um anya just as soon as he walks into the room anya just says you're late and peter's like well would hello ever suffice and anya just says no and then moves on. I love it. It's so As good. As she should. As she should. It's the a, audacity, no. Peter. The audacity. Right? right? And so, I mean, again, I think we've talked about this, we've talked about this like, to death already. It's sort of like unfortunate that Anya is always such a caustic character that like i could read is very unlikable to a lot of people but she fucking rules i love her so much she's an icon drag we stand anya on this podcast call him out on his shit every time love it you do not peter does not deserve the time of day from you on your side girl (laughs) Mm -hmm. 100 percent. but yeah other than that other than that beautiful moment um we also see otto there wearing a set of a, a set of mechanical arms it's just, he's just he's just wearing his octopus arms now. Yeah, they don't. That's, really... I guess that's that's what Professor Otto Octavius is presenting at the Stark Expo, which we had no idea he was working on. <laughs> nope, that's it's it's a very uh, it's a very low key debut for that. They don't co- they don't even comment on them on them for a while. I think uh, no. like later until much later in the episode. I, they don't. It's a criticism I think I kind of have, especially by the end of it, that like. Could could couldn't we have seen a reference to these or or, or something or before now? Because this is a really I don't know I like no, on I agree one hand like on one hand like I respect like the kind of audacity of just sort of like just throwing it in there and not making giving it any fanfare. But at the same time, it's like but then they at, at the end of the episode, I feel like they want to put some emotional weight on these arms that is not earned because they threw it out with like zero fanfare. So Otto's got Doc Ock arms now. Alrighty, <laughs> that's that's established. Yeah, I was really caught off guard by this, and I fully agree with you that it could have been established in really subtle ways because we get that with Harry's glider almost throughout the entire 
series to this point. We get little bits and pieces of what we can expect Harry to end up becoming, or at least Norman using Harry's, you know, tech or whatever the case may be for whatever Harry's working on. And it is a little weird that we didn't see like a claw or the backpack or something, even just like a drawing on the board in Otto's classroom, you know, just something to sort of indicate that this is something he's been working on. It is sort of fun, like you said, the audacity of just like dropping it in there. And I wasn't necessarily upset that we didn't get it seated. It was kind of entertaining to just be like, oh, okay, hi. And, you know, obviously I'm going to be excited when we get Doc Ock. So I was like pumped. I also think it was really funny that not only does he have the mechanical arms, he's like fully in like green tactical gear with like belts and bags and stuff. And he's wearing sunglasses for some reason (laughs) like like i'm pretty sure this is and i don't know with 100 percent certainty but i'm pretty sure this just like is his doc ock costume at least for a little bit like so it's just like funny that that not only did he have the mechanical arms but like he's just and and you know in this universe he doesn't exist as doc ock yet but for us like he's just dressed as doc ock in the middle of the expo it's hilarious it's, it is really funny. I, I think that, yeah, I do think it's really funny. I, I, I was okay with it at this point, too. I was okay with it until the very end of the episode when there's, like, weight put on it, like, out of nowhere. It's just, like, you yeah. can't do both. That that both. should have been established. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. If it just if it was just going to be a surprise, that's fine. I'm actually more, and this there's no, there's no best time to bring this up, but I'm actually more upset at the fact that Gwen Stacy speaks zero words in this episode. Very, very upset by that. I'm really annoyed at the fact that Gwen hasn't said anything for two episodes. She says nothing here. She says nothing at any point when she's on screen during this episode. And I'm just, I I understand, like, she's not going to say something every time she appears. That's not how this works. But I'm just, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm irritated by it. It's weird, too, because this episode has uh, a number of supporting characters, like, getting really cool moments because they're... It's just a bunch of geniuses in a giant room with chaos. Yeah. And, like, Anya doesn't really get much to do in the action, but she at least gets, like, this that really badass no moment early on. Yeah, she gets character moments. She gets character moments. Like, Miles actually gets in on the action. Otto is involved. Harry's involved. Gwen just disappears. That's the thing. Gwen disappears, and when she is on screen, she doesn't say anything. And there's a moment later in the episode where everybody in the room is reacting to something, and Gwen is literally just standing there. Like, they don't even animate her uh, in that moment. I'm just like, what? why do you all hate her right now? It's just... (sighs) <sighs> yeah, it's it's bizarre for I think it would only, you know, it wouldn't it wouldn't be as big of a deal if like you know, it had just been a bunch of like background characters like or if they had just been supporting, you know, for a while, I guess, but the fact that there's been numerous times where they get in on the action and you have this little like micro team of geniuses building a cool contraption to help Spider-Man and then in this episode where everything just descends into chaos rapidly, none of them do anything like that, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yep. Like, I guess the yeah. excuse is that the whole episode is just like, oh, no, technology. We can't use technology. But, like, they don't even try. So it's weird. Yeah. Very frustrating. And I get it. She's probably only contracted for X number of episodes. But whatever. I'm going to be annoyed by it. <laughs> At least have Gwen, like, jump on somebody or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, she like... can still do things. She doesn't yeah. have to be, like, a static character in the background. Yeah, it doesn't make sense for her character. Like she would, she would be active. She's always active yeah. in this stuff. And because you have her on screen, it's noticeable. Yeah. So yeah, 
Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Fun cast of characters there, uh, just to be greeting him. Like you said, though, last week, that kid, just nowhere to be seen, even though he was part of the conversation last week (laughs) about Mm -hmm. the V-252. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, Peter asks about Max. Uh, Miles lets him know that Max is actually still fiddling with the V-252, which is apparently acting up. So... Peter goes to uh, to find Max, but on his way, he actually runs into Flash Thompson. And Flash says he's representing Midtown with his paper mache volcano, which he calls like a paper machete volcano. <laughs> which is, <laughs> dude, that little his little like diorama that he made is so cute and it's so detailed. It's adorable. He, he even has a little vol- he, uh, he even has a little dinosaur with his volcano. Mm-hmm. Like that, it, it's like. Okay, I get it. He's not a brilliant scientist. He just made like kind of a kid's science project, but like he's an artist. Like that thing looks good. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, no, he he made a very like good li- like the the joke is that it's I mean, and this is this is, you know, debatable about you know what the joke is, but like uh, or whether the joke should be there, but like the joke is that it's a volcano, not that it's bad. You know what I mean? Like He's not presenting yeah. like a poorly done project. <laughs> yeah. It's just like as a compared to like all these genius inventions, it's just a right. very basic one that would yeah. be at any science fair probably isn't equipped to be at Stark Expo. But yeah. he was allowed it was allowed he was allowed to take it. No other students from Midtown apparently contributed anything. And it seems well, like he did this all on his own. So you know what, Flash? Like kudos for the initiative. I mean, kudos at all. Totally, totally worth the credit. But I will say they did try to recover a little bit, I think, from making midtown a joke because flash has like a throwaway comment about how like sure there are other people from midtown here but i'm gonna win so like oh i forgot about that yeah yeah and i think it's probably their way of trying not to make midtown look like you know a total joke of a school i do think that if this is all you're presenting us with for midtown you're still kind of doing that um but it's a charming moment from flash which is the point yeah as a character moment for flash i like it yeah, I like this Flash. I, I'm really enjoying him. Mm-hmm. We don't get a lot of him, but so far I like him because he sort of, it feels like he's bully post-bully phase. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, Like definitely. he uh, he's he's just like a, a goofy sort of jock kid who used to bully people and is just trying to like figure out how to be himself and social without beating people up. Yeah, I mean, because he's perfectly like nice to Peter with all of this. Like he obviously has his sort of like, kind of arrogant-y streak to it but he's sure not, but like they're having a friendly conversation you know yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm encouraged i'm, I'm excited mm-hmm. to see how they react or react i'm excited to see how they interact moving forward yeah so after his little interaction with flash then peter passes by the osborne academy green room where a security officer stops him from moving any closer and peter's like oh, chill out come on harry interrupts and it's like no it's fine this is my friend um, and when Peter asks about Osborne Academy's Vulture Tech presentation, Harry implies that there's more than just Vulture Tech in their presentation. Peter obviously is curious about this, but then Norman, as most characters do on this show, shows up and interrupts them after having kind of been <laughs> overhearing their conversation. He he tells Harry to keep quiet, and Peter's like, all right, bye then. <laughs> like, okay, jeez. Yep. I'm going to let this moment happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and Harry at least, like, calls out Norman, like, why are you being so rude, Dad? Like, it's my best friend. Come on. But then uh, they kind of uh, – they they go into it a little bit because apparently Norman replies uh, that for the expo, Peter is competition, right? And um, Harry is like, well, 
like we're going to be debuting our technology at this expo like in like a half an hour or whatever so who cares if peter knows now that's not going to change anything Mm -hmm. um and he specifically uh acknowledges that his glider tech was going to be part of it and that's the thing that he's not going to be able to keep secret much longer norman however tells harry that actually no keep it a secret because we're not going to be showing your glider tech which to harry comes off as like well, what the fuck? Like, this is like my moment to show off my thing, and you're not letting me show off my thing. What's, yeah. what's the deal? Norman shares that with Spider-Man, quote-unquote, protecting Horizon High, based on what he figured out in the last episode, Osborne Academy needs its own protector. And Harry's glider tech may be important in securing that protection. I love it. I love it. I, I love, love it. that stuff. I love it so what much. What a good... What a cool because because that right off the bat like so many things come from that because you get the tension of of hair uh, of Norman knowing that Spider Man is associated with Horizon mm-hmm. Harry now knows that is aware of that as well and we know how Harry feels about Spider Man and then by establishing like that this glider tech is going to be part of a potential like security system or whatever for Osborne Academy that like not only that sets up Goblin stuff obviously but it also like sets up. It makes it really easy for Osborne Academy to start producing supervillains off the bat. And yep. it's going to make sense because they think they're just going to be playing on an even playing field with Horizon High for having a superhero. Of course, Osborne Academy is going to create superpowered people. Right. Too. Like, it makes perfect sense. It's exactly what I was talking about last week. The difference between Horizon and the way they view things and the way that Osborne Academy views things. Because Norman sees Spider-Man as specifically protecting horizon's interests as if horizon believes they need a superhero to keep their secrets which is not what's going on but of course from norman's perspective it's a matter of protection and so he's like well fine we're going to make our own protector and that's how he's going to view this as like a conflict of like superpowered security not superheroes versus supervillains it's like a it's like an arms race kind of Exactly. And and given Harry already has like this sort of hatred for Spider-Man, yeah. like getting him involved in this means that he can go on, he can even sort of go on this sort of like supervillain setup path without him even needing to like have an evil turn or mm-hmm. whatever, because he's, he is just participating in this arm arms race, trying to, you know, trying to match what he feels like the competition is putting out. Yeah. Yeah, so you can see the interactions that he as a potential goblin and Spider-Man will have from Harry's perspective, which have nothing to do with resentment or hatred towards Peter, which is really smart. Which would be really nice if we get a Harry that becomes like a goblin without him necessarily just needing to like go insane and evil. He yeah. can it can just be a misunderstanding yeah. thing. And I... maybe Harry will never actually go completely dark and evil. Maybe he'll always be precious ray of light. Oh. Oh, you sweet boy. (laughs) I refer you back to uh, me and Eddie Brock in Spectacular. Uh, But I do like where this starts. It probably won't start from there. Yeah, it's 2017 now. Things are different. Maybe this will be good, Harry. (laughs) Maybe. I I don't know. I don't know. I I honestly don't know either. I I mean, there is a world where this plays out the way that we're expecting it. And instead of Harry turning evil... He turns good, and that pisses off Norman, and Norman becomes Goblin as a result of Harry deciding to, like, n- not like not wanting to do it anymore. You know, Ooh. it doesn't have to be that Harry realizes Peter is Spider-Man, and that makes him worse. It could be that Harry realizes Peter is Spider-Man, and that turns him to the, quote, good side. I it's like possible. That. It's possible. It's a nice inversion of the Harry Osborn story. Yeah. 
We'll but see. then again, there's also like a million potential actual canon superheroes in this show too. Like, do they yeah. need another one? I don't know. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, he could <laughs> we'll just see. be, he could, you know, he could be their Billy and Zio. <laughs> oh, that'd be fun. It's not going to happen, but I, no. I would like to see it. He gets too many action moments and he's definitely going to be in on the action. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So Peter finds Max excitedly working on the V252. And Peter questions, why is he still working on it? If you had Max, you read my research, right? Like I had all this stuff telling you that the V252 was alive. Max is like, yeah, I mean, it's like insightful. But I don't know if I buy it. Like, it's kind of debatable. And honestly, like, it's not a proof for it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my own thing and keep working on this. Um, and, like, his, his whole deal is that, like, what he suspected was that the V-252 is programmable and impenetrable. And he actually shows off that it could be integral to revolutionizing the prosthetic industry by showing off the shape-shifting abilities that it has. So it's like it can turn into a hand. It can turn into a foot. We know that it has shape-shifting abilities because we've seen it shape-shift into a suit and clothes and stuff for Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, a, it's a natural conclusion that if you don't, know that it is a biological, like, kind of evil parasitic organism, like, just looking at its attributes in a vacuum, that actually is a really clever use for, like, a substance like that, if you assume it's a substance, right? So, yeah, I mean, it's it it makes sense, but we know that it's, uh, you know, an evil symbiote, so Max is uh, not doing the right thing. Um, Yeah, I like all this, though. I I do, too. I like that... They actually, this is way more subtle than than I mm-hmm. I thought it could have been. But I like the fact that Max counters Peter's argument that it's alive because we know, if we just think about it, that Peter can't prove it's alive without revealing his own personal experience yep. with the symbiote as a suit. He can't tell Max that. So Max, of course, is like, you can't just tell me it's alive without providing proof. And he even says, like, can you show me more proof? And Peter's speechless because, no, he can't without jeopardizing his identity. Exactly. Like, I won't have to wonder what Peter's research even looks like because... Oh, my God, I want to see it so bad. Because it's all going to have to be based... Because, you know, if Max is running these tests and can't find what Peter is looking for, then I don't think Peter has any... any Like, necessarily has any tests that actually prove it. Yeah. So it's got to be just, like, I have a hunch and here's my theory. Like, it's got to be all theoretical rather than, like, evidence-based. Yeah. Which, yeah, like... Well, and then he has to make up the evidence, too, because he has to be able to describe yeah. its its attributes without saying how he found it out with the truth. You know, like, so he would have to, in theory, create sort of fake experiments that he puts on paper to describe how he knows the things he knows about it, but he still can't, I mean, how, yeah. How is he going to describe it's alive without showing that it was right? You know, especially when technology is what it is, you know, without video of it being alive, Max is, there's no way Max is going to believe him, which I think is really clever. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's like, what if someone just brought like oil to you and was just like, what if this is an organism? Yeah. That's exactly what this is. Based on what? (laughs) It's like, well, what just just what if it is? Like, I saw it. I okay. saw it moving. Okay, cool. Like pat you on the head. Like <laughs> that's nice. But mm-hmm. uh, Dad's gonna do his tests now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Peter, I, I do like that Peter can can't really argue, and they don't make him try because I think Peter knows. Peter understands. Like, shoot. Like I kind of got got here. Like I I I can't tell him much more. Um. So yeah. I like that a lot. It's sort of a yeah. there's like an impasse that they're sort of at. I also really like because this is totally unnecessary, but I really like that they move forward with what Max sees in the potential of the substance, as opposed to just 
being a new element on the periodic table. Yeah. This is probably one of those things that they will establish that they will never explore again. But mm-hmm. at least in this case, it's interesting enough to me that his goal is to to revolutionize the prosthetic industry. I just think that's cool to include in a kid show. Yeah. I just think that's neat. It's an admirable goal and it's really, yeah, it's really cool to actually like directly like address that that's a thing that exists, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, like limb diversity is like not a thing that makes its way into kids' properties very frequently. And when it does, it's often really awful. So like uh, I can think nothing. of one example and that's how to train your dragon that does it well. And that's it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Most of the time, it's like we it swapped out your arm for a gun or something, and like that's right. the extent of it. So like, or you have yeah, claw hands because you're a bad guy. <laughs> right. Like oh, okay. Yeah, I fully agree. Yeah, I think it's a really cool thing to include, even if they don't really do anything more with it. Um, yeah. Although, yeah, oh my god. Okay. Um, they could do something with that. Actually, that would make oh, a lot of sense. I know what you're thinking. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Should I jump ahead? I'm afraid I'm going to forget. Do it. Yeah. Just jump. Who cares? Okay. We're jumping ahead for a second. There is a point in this episode where the symbiote interacts with Flash Thompson. And we know that Flash Thompson, in certain stories, needs prosthetics because he loses his legs. So having the symbiote be something that Max sees as a potential revolutionary substance for prosthetics in the same property where Flash interacts with the symbiote, I don't know what to make of that, but I don't think now that it is a throwaway detail. Or or at the very least, they could they could bring those two things together. I like I, I like that line of thinking. I want I I just don't I don't know how they get there. That's the thing, because I don't trust that I think I mean I could the Flash and Venom coming together I can see just fine. I don't see Flash losing his legs in this show because I don't well, think that the show would go far enough for something like that or even no, no, no. losing I, a foot or something. I, I, I fully agree with that because I actually thought of that later in the episode because I was like, I was like, I think now that we've seen what we've seen that the inclusion of Flash Thompson is not a mistake and not just like a cute thing they're doing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, I, I'm def- I think, yeah, I think it's, I think it's not obvious at the end of the episode, but it's yeah. definitely like heavily hinted at enough that I think. You, yeah. I think what is obvious is that they will interact again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, Without I also – I was thinking that because I was like, he's not going to lose his legs in this. But I do think it is at the very, very least an interesting detail that Max identifies it as a potential revolutionary product or material for the prosthetic industry in a show that will very likely use Agent Venom as a thing. They're not yeah. going to – it can't even in-universe be presented that way really because – by the end of the episode, Max recognizes the symbiote for what it is. So it's not like they're going to rewind that and be like, well, maybe we could use this for your missing legs because that's not going to happen. <laughs> but it's it's just an interesting detail, I, see what I you guess. Mean. It's, I think it's, if anything, I think now I'm thinking that it might be an intentional reference to that, though. Yeah, it could just be sort of like, uh, not quite an Easter egg, but yeah, like an illusion. Yeah, where it's just sort of like, we can't do the storyline, but we're, we can at least like point towards it and make those sort of like connections in small ways yeah. which is cool i like that because i mm-hmm. that's not anything i would have ex- would have expected either way yeah. e- whether they are or aren't it's cool so they could like do something where flash doesn't necessarily lose his legs because i don't know how they do that specifically Ooh. in a show like this but they could do like something where he loses yeah i was gonna say like they he... could do something where he loses function of his legs yeah um that would which be i cool. still think could be a really important story they would be tackling 
Um, yeah. I, I think it would be really cool for a show like this to tackle like very, very uh, visible limb differences. But I, I just I don't know how they get to that point with a character that they introduce like not as paraplegic you know what i mean like yeah so i don't know but so maybe they'll do that and that could be pretty cool yeah or they could even go like the spectacular spider-man route where it's just like a knee injury it's not anything that's like a gigantic deal in the grand like it it, or i shouldn't say that it is a big deal if you like mess up your knee permanently oh yeah you can't play football again i mean like compared to losing your legs completely it's a much smaller scale that you can reasonably present on a kid's show it could even be something as simple as that right like i think that there's ways that they can sort of play with that i really i don't know i honestly don't know if that's what they yeah no i have no for clue (laughs) i would love if something like that happened so that would be cool I'm I'm um, currently rooting for a story where Flash somehow loses the function of his legs because I feel like they could do that. I think they could yeah. do that on the show without it being seen as like too graphic or violent. Yeah, especially if, you know, they they give him the Venom symbiote and it, yeah. you know, that's yeah. Like uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be really interesting. That would be really interesting. I oh don't my know. Gosh. I don't know. We'll see and I'm saying that because neither one of us genuinely knows. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. I have one other minor thing about this this uh this scene. Sure. I went to screen cap it and I forgot, but did you notice Max's keyboard when he's yes. typing? You know what I thought? I was like, it's my initial thought was why did they replace his keys with mahjong tiles? And I literally <laughs> went back because I fully thought they were mahjong tiles. <laughs> Um, they're not, but then I thought about it for another second and I was like, well, this is, it's easier to do this if you're, you know, broadcasting the show in a bazillion different countries where alphabets might be different. So like, that's probably why they actually did it, but it's such a bizarre Uh, thing that his keyboard has just no letters on it. It's like a series. It's well, yeah, I think your, your logic would make sense, except we still see plenty of signs and computer screens and stuff that have like English, like blatantly English text on it. So why would that's true? Yeah. I guess I was creating else? an explanation for something that didn't need one, but it just, yeah, yeah it is it's a like, weird, it's a, weird detail. Cause it's not even like, you know, other pl- plenty of other shows will just, it'll just be like, especially if they, you know, they, they, they do their animation in like Korea or Japan or something. They'll yeah. ju- it'll just be like vague scribbles that kind of resemble like, you know, Arabic, letters but most of the time like they or arabic numbers and like english letters or something yeah um but but it, it's just like nonsense in this case yeah. it is like explicitly pokemon just pokemon like, does that <laughs> yeah yeah you know it's just like evoking that style of like of lettering without it actually being the direct letters so yeah. they don't have to worry about accidentally spelling something wrong right oh um, i bet you that's it though if he doesn't have letters on his keyboard they can show him typing without it actually being anything so they don't have to animate his hands actually typing anything. Not that they need to. They could do whatever they want. But, like, mm-hmm. if there are no letters, he's not actually typing words, and you can't claim that he is. <laughs> but I would rather just be, like, a blank keyboard or just have, like, lines on it than, like – because it's a series of, like, dots, like, arrows, and, like, wingdings, essentially, on the keyboard, yeah. like, in symbols. It's really strange. I'm telling you, like, half of that keyboard is literally just mahjong tiles. It's just, like, <laughs> half of a domino. Like, it's so weird. <laughs> Yeah, I think yeah. you're right though. I think the move is just to make a blank keyboard. Yeah, cuz I think other I've seen plenty seen plenty other shows that do that. So, it's, yeah. it's I mean, it 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 looks it's fun to look at. It just makes no sense. <laughs> it's better it's better than Nick Fury's keyboard in the 90s show. Oh my god, when it was just the giant calculator essentially. It's just a giant calculator <laughs> from A to Z in sequence with like a couple <laughs> random shapes on some keys that were extra. Man. Yep. <laughs> yep, they tried. <laughs> 
Uh, did they? <laughs> no. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> now that we've examined everything that could possibly examine, be examined in that scene, including Max's keyboard, <laughs> um, Peter insists further that presenting the V-252 is dangerous. He specifically says it's not safe. It is dangerous, Max. And at this moment, Tony Stark enters the room and, and responds, science is always dangerous, kid. Um, because, you know, Tony Stark's going to Tony Stark. W- you know, what's interesting about this is we don't have any context for at what point Tony Stark is in his sort of like journey. Like we know he's, we know he's Iron Man, yeah. but as far as his characterization as Tony Stark, um, it's not really clear like who this Tony Stark is, at least from nope. this episode. The only thing that we know, I think, is that everybody knows his, his, his identity yeah. as Iron Man. Yeah. And obviously like. It's obnoxious for me to measure it solely based on the MCU, but this Tony Stark is very obviously based on the MCU. Yeah. So, like, we should be at a point where potentially he is, like, not as cocky or arrogant, but he still does it here, I guess, just because it's not that Tony Stark. So, whatever. Yeah. We get both, like, heroic Tony Stark and, like, cocky, annoying Tony Stark. <laughs> yeah. And it's fine. It's whatever. Like you said, it's a very broadly. Of, yeah. It's, it's a very broadly drawn Tony Stark, and we don't see any any supporting Iron Man cast or anything. So, like, we don't right. see him interact with, like, anyone that he's really familiar with anyway. Yeah. It's like, it's very much, like, let's bring in the guest star, Paint him, paint him in 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 the shades that people would recognize, because they know who it is, and then let him be on yeah. his merry way after it's over. Yeah, let him do a little bit of everything he's known for. Exactly. I do think he's best as Iron Man. I think when he's just Tony Stark, he's he's not as fun. Um, and this nope. is probably one of those moments where he's like, "Science is always dangerous, kid." But uh, anyway, Tony Stark is there now. So Max introduces Tony <laughs> and Peter officially. And when the two shake hands, Peter winces because he's shaking with the hand that he burned on Iron Man's cage which is a cool detail. Tony notices this because Tony's a genius and he comments on Peter's contributing to the myth that scientists are 98 pound weaklings, which at first seems like a total asshole thing to say. But Uh Peter replies that in fact, he's only 97 pounds, which Tony notices. So if you're paying attention, you realize, oh, Tony's not just making fun of Peter. He has a theory and he's testing it. And he's trying to figure out if Peter is the one who burned his hand on Iron Man's cage and if he like is the that. same size as yeah. Spider-Man. I like that. I think it's a nice, like, it's not, I mean, it's like, it's subtle enough that it, uh, that I think it works. Because there's never yep. a point in the episode where he's like, you're Peter Parker. Nope. I deduced it. Like, it's just, he gets the clues and, he, and he's, you can, you can assume and kind of tell that he's figured it out by yeah. the end. And that's, that's enough. I like it. I really, yeah, really I like enjoy it, a lot. it. Well, just as Tony's figuring this out. Norman enters the room to Tony's notable aggravation, which I do love. <laughs> I think he, he, before he turns around to greet Norman, he says in Peter's direction, here we go. <laughs> like as if every interaction he has with Norman requires like a moment of like, um, like meditation before he can actually handle it, which I love. It's also very funny to me because we're so used to the MCU and the Spider-Man universe being separate it's so funny to me to see on screen Tony Stark interacting with Norman Osborn, because even though that clearly would happen in the comics, we're just not used to necessarily seeing it a ton on screen. And mm-hmm. I like this. I think it's, I think it's fun. I'm sure it's happened in other cartoons too, because the cartoons don't follow the same rules. Um, but as far as we've covered, we haven't, we have not gotten to one of those points. And Tony Stark is just 
basically slotted in to the adult drama that we've been seeing building. Like he kind of makes, yep. like you said, a guest appearance in the adult drama uh, mm-hmm. for now. <laughs> yeah. The, the fact that they all know each other, I think says, <laughs> says a lot, you know? Yep. Yep. Yeah. All these, all these big science bros are all like in the same, in the same little world. And yep. another, just another, I mean, it's like, it, it makes sense too. Like, it's like, oh, totally. it doesn't necessarily mean that Tony Stark has to be in, in the big flashback that involves the characters because, but it makes sense that someone who's heavily involved in the science and business world would, the, the stuff that they, that, that whatever shady shit was going on with Max and, and Spencer and whoever else like was big enough that Tony Stark noticed. And I think that sure. that's, that's worthwhile to, to remember. Yeah. It is also, I think it is not a mistake that we see right now that Tony Stark does not like Norman Osborn. I think you can see yeah. exactly how that could be set up for things later. So I like uh-huh. that tiny little detail. I do too. Well, they they have a very brief but very awkward interaction where Norman claims that his technology is going to be the highlight of the show. Tony Stark, of course, says, oh, Norman, <laughs> you're mistaken. I am always the highlight of the show. And he leaves <laughs> uh, to put on a show because the next thing we see is the main stage where Tony Stark is presenting his newest Iron Man suit, which he claims all of you are here to see. That's what you're really here for. Really undercutting his own event. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he's introducing the Mark 50. Which looks like every single Iron Man suit that's ever existed. <laughs> it does. I will say it's a nicer Iron Man suit than the one he's wearing at the start of the episode, I think. I think that's fair. I think the yeah. one he's I wearing mean, at the start of the episode is kind of ugly. Yeah. But that's the thing is all of his suits all look like that, especially in the MCU. Like, we rarely see an Iron Man suit that looks different. Like, none of these properties take the the 90s show approach where, like, every suit he wears is, like, a different color and a different shape and a different purpose yeah. and, a you know, so. Yeah, it's just, like, subtle design changes yeah. and stuff within the same red and red and, uh, whatever color, yellow. Why couldn't I remember the color yellow? <laughs> I think it's part of I I think maybe that's part of the joke though. Like I think yeah, not that it's yeah. supposed to be like laugh out loud hilarious, but I do think there is like a humor in the fact that he's always introducing these new suits that might serve different purposes but look mostly the same. It's almost like car design, and I love car design, but it is hilarious when they introduce like a new car model and it's like you didn't build this from the ground up. You literally just changed the headlights. Like and it looks the same, <laughs> you know. Yep. That's yep. pretty much what Tony does with his suits. It's a new car model. <laughs> and everybody goes crazy like he's he's not wrong everybody you know loses their shit for for the mark 50 suit um yeah. except for one person one person's mm. not into it <laughs> because his introduction of the mark 50 is interrupted by a voice a mysterious voice over the pa that calls tony a loser i think or something like that <laughs> which <laughs> yeah. is strange for the announcer and so obviously everybody knows something's wrong and uh, and it is revealed that this voice is uh, the ghost who we saw earlier, and the ghost claims that Tony Stark stole his ideas, so he has arrived at the expo to do the same back to Stark. Yeah, so the thing that – so we know at this point that ghosts can phase through things, or the, the figure that we know is ghost can phase through things and, like, short them out. But the other thing that he reveals is that he can actually control technology as he reveals when he possesses the Mark 50 suit. So now we have Iron Man and a possessed Mark 50 Iron Man suit controlled by Ghost. So cool. 
two iron, just like every Iron Man movie, we cut two, uh, <laughs> two metal suits uh, fighting each other. Is it an Iron Man property if Iron Man isn't fighting another Iron Man? Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. So um, at least this is like a more creative way to do it, I guess. But uh, yeah, so Iron Man is fighting this like possessed Mark 50 suit. They're firing shots at each other like inside the building with a bunch of civilians. Real so that's dumb, not Iron great. Man. Real dumb. Not great. I know. Why didn't you like leave to like lead him out or something like that? Like just fly out the ceiling and have him chase you and fight in the city. Yeah. Like, what are you doing, man? Peter does that all the time. Right. Right. Like have some consideration, jerk. <laughs> But at least, like, it's enough of a distraction for Peter to, to jump off and suit up just in time to knock a couple of onlookers out of the way of a falling display. Spider-Man fully broke that guy's shoulder, right? Oh, yeah, because he, like, he, like, Spider-Man, like, like t- tackles them out of the way. He, like, yeah. sh- like, shoulder checks them instead of, like, swinging in. I mean, he can't swing in, which we learn in a second because his tech is still broken. But mm-hmm. he just, like, tackles them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Iron Man kind of swoops in to help Spidey, you know, by catching the display before Spider-Man even can. And Spider-Man's like, hey, you know, I was I was I was trying to save them. See, clearly, like, I'm not the bad guy here. And Iron Man's like, I mean, it earned you some points, but I'm still not sure he might be your partner or something. So Spider-Man still has to prove himself to Iron Man. Um, And he is like reminded throughout all this that, like, like we said, his tech is still shorted out, so he can't fire his webs, which has him at a major, major disadvantage. So the way that he, like, fixes it is by going to, like, a static, uh, static like, exhibit, and he just, like, rubs his feet on a rug for a while and, like, touches a conductor and then shocks himself, and somehow that gets his web shooters to work. Uh-huh. Funny science stuff, I guess. Not going to lie, <laughs> I can kind of see why Horizon High has won every year apparently yeah because if if one of the if one of the school's projects was literally just like you can create static electricity by rubbing your feet on carpet like (laughs) i mean and horizons come in with like a new element for the periodic table that can become any prosthetic like yeah the 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 gap there is is substantial to the point that it feels unfair I think there probably should be, I mean, and maybe maybe Horizon was a school entirely on its own until Osborne Academy existed. We don't know. But at least now that Osborne Academy exists, there should specifically be a category for, like, science vocational schools or whatever. Like, yeah, Versus, agree. like, you know, maybe other private schools and public schools or whatever the case may be. Like, there should definitely be categories. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. There definitely needs to be a major reworking of the Stark Expo going yeah. forward. I think. I would think I so. Think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, carpet. We're talking about carpet. <laughs> so you, yep. you're right. Spider-Man does sort of like jolt his suit back into operating condition on the carpet, but as he's doing that, the Mar- the possessed Mark Fifty suit blasts him, and he runs into Iron Man, which once again causes Iron Man to be like. You're not convincing me that you're not a bad guy if you're, quote, attacking me. I think Iron Man's just trolling him because none of this really makes sense (laughs) if he's not trolling him. And, I mean, like, I guess that would shed a little bit of light on this version of Tony Stark that he's just a little more that he's just like kind of playful, I guess, because he doesn't really he doesn't. I mean, he's not because he's not taking this all super seriously until until it kind of like gets super serious as it goes along. Yeah, and he's not dumb. Like he knows that Spider-Man was just flung into him and he calls it attacking. So Yeah. I think that I think he's just being a troll. 
Yeah, I think so too. I Which hope I so. Like otherwise, better. it's not very good. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, he's just a big dummy and it's annoying. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna go with he's trolling him, and I think that would fit Tony Stark like versions of Tony Stark. Sometimes, yeah. So especially because he's I'm like okay picking on a teenager. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so um. With Spider-Man kind of insisting, like, no, we're not on the same team. Come on, Iron Man does kind of give in a little bit um, and, and gives him a little bit of exposition. Um, he explains that that this mysterious guy's name is Ghost, and that he can actually manipulate all forms of tech. And also, he has a grudge against Tony Stark. What MCU villain doesn't, right? So just mm-hmm. fitting that in, slotting that into to this universe as well. Yep. Um, Spidey says that it's too bad they can't just short-circuit the Mark 50 the way that the ghost short-circuited Spider-Man's tech earlier, but that helps Iron Man realize they actually can kind of do exactly that. So, good thinking, Spider-Man. Yeah. Overly explained, by the way. Uh, did you catch, like, how Iron Man claimed they could do it? Oh, I was... I He said a bunch of words that I just stopped <laughs> listening to, honestly. It does play into things. It does play into things, because it plays into the next thing. Basically, Iron Man says, like, well, one of the cool things about the Mark 50 is that it actually has the ability to control other Iron Man suits. So if I can reverse that quality, I can control it and make it basically, like, eject Ghost, uh, which plays into the next thing because he does push Ghost out of the Mark 50 and Ghost reveals, like, I didn't actually need the suit, buddy. I just needed the connectivity discs, which are what allows the Mark 50 to control other Iron Man suits and other technology. So, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, I do like, I like this pivot because that, the, there's like a, a supreme chaotic energy that this episode descends into because oh of my this. God. It's just off the chain and bananas. And, and honestly, fun. lives up to the name Ghost. Like it ends, he, like the ghost here ends up basically being like a technological poltergeist, which is yeah. a really fun like sci-fi way of doing a poltergeist. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, the way because it's all like it's like it's 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 that 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 great like balance with poltergeisty type stuff where it's like almost like kind of bizarrely playful sort of uh, possession, except yeah. playful that ends up descending very quickly into death, <laughs> like yeah, just horror <laughs> or vi- just like violence, horror. you know? Yeah, just horror. Yeah. <laughs> so these connectivity discs, combined with Ghost's ability to manipulate tech basically extends Ghost's ability to fully control all the tech at the expo. Doesn't need to possess it, doesn't need to be touching it. He can just control it, which obviously is terrible. And he says this thing, which I really, really like, which is, since you don't seem to mind one man controlling all the tech in the world, Mr. Stark, let's see how you feel about one man controlling all the tech at your expo. Doesn't really play into all that much. I just thought it was a really good line and sort of a commentary on Tony Stark in a show that doesn't need to comment on Tony Stark, at least yet. So, yeah, I was into sure. it. Mm-hmm. Hello, amazing friends. We just wanted to take a quick moment to shout out our spectacular enough patrons, Katie, Mike, Flux, Eric, Carl, and Lillian. If you would like to join our Patreon, we have a ton of great bonus content waiting for you. We have our Spider Bites, where we talk about pretty much whatever we want in the Spider-Man universe, such as comics, like the current Miles Morales series, and classics like Kraven's Last Hunt. Sometimes we do deep dives into Spider-Man stuff, like our miniseries on the unmade Spider-Man movies. Or we spin off into other topics, like the Blade movies or the Firestar comics. 
Sometimes we'll do some bonus content just because we happen to have it, like Peaks Behind the Curtain or how we make certain episodes. And if you join us at the $5 Spectacular level, you also get access to our After Dark commentaries where we let loose and talk about shows that aren't Spider-Man related without a filter. Shows like Gargoyles, Batman Beyond, Muppet Babies, and more. Ultimately, these are the types of things that we're going to talk about anyway, so recording it and making it available on Patreon is our way of saying thank you so much for supporting this show and letting us do the types of things we really want to do. Whatever tier you opt into, thank you so much. Whether you're an avid listener or just stopping by, we appreciate that too. From your friendly neighborhood podcasters, thank you. So yeah, so this is where it gets into the poltergeisty stuff that we were talking about. Yeah. A lot of stuff happens. A lot yeah. of stuff happens. Ghost creates all sorts of chaos throughout the expo. He takes control of, like, a bunch of pieces of tech. And all a lot, most of it, like, related to characters that we've already seen, too, which is Yeah. Fun. Remember last week when I was talking about how they don't really spend a lot of time filling in the backgrounds of some of these scenes? Yeah. This is one of those yeah. instances. Because the only uh-huh. stuff that ends up being possessed... And I understand this is, like, streamline and making sure that you're not distracting the audience with, like superfluous things but the only things that get possessed are things that are created by characters we're already invested in <laughs> yeah and you really after after a certain point you don't even see any other people in the background other than the main yeah. characters yeah which again like yeah i get it it's a it's a large cast they want to keep focus on them but like there's already enough chaos that it would have just been fun to see every random like toaster and stuff attacking people <laughs> like why not go for it it's oh. already a, a wacky episode or wacky action sequence yeah. is happening right now that would have been so good yeah well the things we do get to see are still pretty fun oh yeah um so first norman unleashes the vulture force Worst so whole, name. whole whole uh, yeah yeah <laughs> it's a whole name. team of, of vultures and ghost sends them flying um, then we see Max chasing Otto through the expo because Otto has lost control over his mechanical arms. And it's just, yep, he's just kind of floating there while his arms are just running around rampaging. And his arms are, like, huge in this, too. Dude, okay. I really like the mechanical arms in this series because, you know, we, we talked about the spectacular arms. We talked about the 90s arms. We have talked about the Into the Spider-Verse arms, and all of them are very different takes. And this yeah. is a different one as well. The mm-hmm. The 90s show is probably the most traditional one uh, of mm-hmm. all of them. The spectacular one, I love that Otto, and I love that Doc Ock. I don't like the arms very much because they just don't really look like anything, which allows them to do very cool things that I do like, but they're not really very cool looking. Yeah, I love the Into the Spider-Verse ones because that's like the wildest take on the mechanical arms because they're actually sort of like rubbery um, mm-hmm. and like pulsating, which is like kind of weird and gross. Almost like they're almost like caterpillars or worms, which is kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. These arms, they, they're like thick and they look like the mechanics are inside of some sort of like flexible casing, which looks really cool, I think. I agree. They're real meaty too. They're like they're like beefy thick mechanical arms. arms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I don't get the sense that they and we'll we've yet to see this, but I don't get the sense that these mechanical arms are going to be able to do anything Otto wants in the way that Spectaculars and Into the Spider Verse's arms kind of do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like those arms have very little limits. It seems, especially the spectacular ones, um, mm-hmm. which is cool. But these ones definitely feel a little bit more 
grounded or that they have like their own set of rules. And I'm excited to see more because I can't wait to see exactly, exactly what they can do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they pack a punch though, because like you said, very meaty. (laughs) Fully agree. Fully agree. Yeah. So that's just a couple of the, of the fun, wacky things that are going on. Meanwhile, (laughs) Spider-Man accidentally traps Iron Man against a pillar with his, uh, with his webbing when ghost takes control of the lenses in Spidey's mask and activates his night vision. So it's kind of fun because, like, the show hasn't really – I mean, we, we've seen that he obviously has technology in his suit. He has, like, a little holographic, like, clock and computer system and stuff. His web shooters are, mm-hmm. are, are, are very, very hyper-techy. We haven't really seen him do a lot with his, his lenses, I don't feel like. Like, have we ever seen, like, a readout or anything with him? I don't no, think so. No, we've seen, like – we've seen through his eyes a couple times, but not for really any reason that requires us seeing through his eyes. Yeah. So I guess maybe just to establish he has them, but other than that, yeah. not not but really. But he hasn't like he hasn't like substantially used them, which is fine. No. Like I like when he doesn't overuse technology and stuff. Like I don't mind Spidey having gadgets and stuff like that, and I know it's kind of part of the course at this point for a tech-based suit, but I'm glad that they sort of limit it. And then in this yeah. case it ends up becoming like a downside to him because if he just had like the normal, like regular glass Spider-Man lenses, it would be fine yeah. uh, but because he doesn't, he's like literally like blinded because of them. So that's fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they're smart about how he ends up blinded because like he's sort of, sort of like faux blinded because, because ghost makes like activates his night vision. But then because his night vision is on ghost can activate iron man solar flares which like actually blinds spider-man which is like kind of terrifying (laughs) yeah because like first first spidey can't see through his actual lenses so he like rip and then the glare happens so he uh from the solar flares so he rips Mm -hmm. out his lenses so theoretically he should see but because the solar flare was so bright and like reflected with the heavy glare from his night vision then like even with his lenses off with his eyes exposed yeah he still can't see so he's just like fuck no matter what what he does at this point yeah yeah, Peter Parker is like actually temporarily blinded and he doesn't know that it's temporary. Like he he should and does freak out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Ugh. just adding to the chaos. Scary stuff. Yeah. And then Flash charges in trying to be a hero cuz he wants to help and then Ghost uses Otto's arms to just like toss him across the room. But I like Flash like trying to help. Like yeah. he's he's a, you know, heroic dude. I like it. Yeah, and we've seen it before. He tried to help in the Sandman episode too. Yeah, yeah. Unsuccessfully. Yeah. <laughs> I <Right>. believe. <laughs> he tries. Yeah. I love this moment because Otto is like, I don't have control of my arms. <laughs> yeah. Like when he's tossing Flash. Yeah. Uh, so, well, actually, speaking of Otto, Ghost then turns Otto against Max, uh, which, again, kind of terrible. All this is like hilarious and terrifying all at once which like you said i guess is the balance that you strike with any sort of poltergeist thing Um, but harry steps in and manages to stop otto's arms with some sort of laser sword that we don't really dwell on um but he has a laser sword yeah cool that he has a laser i like i like the moment where it's like max is just like oh thank you spider-man what harry (laughs) yeah actually that's a good good point like he uh it makes sense that he would expect Spider-Man, and it makes sense that he'd be surprised by it being Harry. So, <laughs> and it's a pretty, it's a like a badass, like you know, pose because Harry's like holding the, uh, holding the the arms back with his laser sword. And yeah, it's like that's to strike a nice little like action, have a little, little action moment with his action yeah. pose. It's cool. It also cool. gives us like Doc Ock action before Doc Ock actually exists. Yeah, which yeah. is kind of yeah. a, a, a you know sneaky cheat on their part. 
but I'm yeah. here for it. <laughs> yeah. So so Harry's managed to hold off Otto, uh, but Peter is still obviously blinded, and so he kind of calls out to Iron Man like, "I can't see anything." So Iron Man actually said, like, he quote offers to be his eyes and guides the blinded Spider-Man to land a web shot on Ghost, which temporarily stops Ghost from, you know, doing more chaos things. And so Spider-Man then basically calls out to Iron Man to pick him up and guide him towards Harry so that he can rescue Harry from Otto, because all Harry's doing is holding Otto off. But Ghost sort of, like, gets his footing again, and instead of Spider-Man reaching out for Harry to grab his hand and pull him out of the way of Otto... Ghost activates Spider-Man's web shooters. So Spider-Man ends up covering Harry and Otto in a bunch of webbing, which still prevents Otto from attacking, but, you know, makes it look like Spider-Man attacked Harry, which, as we all know, um, is Harry's favorite thing (laughs) (laughs) and happens far too often. (laughs) Yep. It's like, of course, par par for the course at this point. (laughs) Yep. So Ghost then takes control of Iron Man's suit. And this causes Iron Man to drop Spider-Man, which makes sense. Spider-Man then goes to free Harry from the webbing that he just shot all over him. And while he's doing that, Miles rushes in, jumps onto Otto's back, and pulls out the arm's power source. Because he says if it doesn't have power, Ghost can't control it. Which is a little bit random because we haven't seen a ton of Miles. But one, it's a cool scene. uh, And it's Mm -hmm. cool to see Miles like jumping in on the action. And two... The power source thing matters in ways that we probably can predict. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. In any case, they don't really have time to celebrate because the now-possessed Iron Man readies blasts in their direction, which is, you know, a big uh (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh uh-oh. So, you know, uh, Iron Man doesn't want to, like, kill a bunch of people, (laughs) including (laughs) Spider-Man and a bunch of teenagers, right? Like, I think that's fair to say. So to prevent himself from doing that, uh, he ejects himself from his suit. So that means that he's just Tony, right? And his arc reactor is vulnerable to ghost control because the thing that's like, I'm assuming this version of Iron Man still has the shrapnel he's keeping out of his heart, that's technology that ghosts can control. Mm -hmm. So that's bad. Tony is now out of commission because ghost is like actually like, you know, shocking his arc reactor and probably going to stop his heart or whatever. Um, so this is this is when, like, the stakes are pretty high. Spider-Man's the only hero left, and he realizes he can't really do much, including employ any kind of tech-based attacks against Ghost. And that's when he realizes that there is, like, one major weapon here at this expo that is fully organic, that's not text-based, that uh, that Ghost can't possess. So Peter dies a little inside and realizes that he's going to have to get the suit back on him. So uh, he smashes the canister that has the V-252 inside of it and just allows the symbiote to envelop him and join him once again. Nice. And then, of course, uh, watching from afar, Max is like, oh, no. I see this V-252 acting very alive as it flows over Spider-Man, which means Peter was right. It is actually a living organism. Oh, yeah, yeah. This moment genuinely surprised me. Yeah. But it was very, and is very cool. I, I, this is where, so I said last week, and I said at the top of this one, last week's episode, despite having really cool stuff happening, I wasn't super high on the episode as a whole because I felt like it pushed things too far too rapidly mm-hmm. or at least things too rapidly but once we got to this moment in this episode i was kind of like okay i get why they did that because they kind of 
wrapped up their story so that they could get to this point where you realize like, oh, Peter's story with the symbiote isn't quite over yet. Yeah. Doesn't mean they couldn't have drawn things out a little bit more, but I can see how they got to this point with what they probably considered their episode budget and how much they wanted to tell. So yeah. if it if it came down to them saying, we have three episodes to tell this story, it, I can kind of see how they got to the three episodes the way that they did because of this moment, if that makes any sort of sense. Right. Yeah. No, I think it makes sense. This was their gag and they wanted to make sure they had it. Yeah, I fully agree because, you know, that's, that's the way it ends up playing out is that it allows Osborne Academy in the last episode to get a bunch of information about the symbiote and about Spider-Man and have a lot of interaction with Spider-Man. But then you also can get like Horizon High involved in the truth about the symbiote. You get the Avengers involved involved, and now and then where the V-252 ends up at the end of this episode could only happen if this episode happens where Iron Man is also interacting with black suited Spider-Man. So, and you get the moment where Spider-Man begrudgingly like has to wear the suit again, which we know, which he has, he's celebrating having escaped from at the top of this episode. Yeah. Like that's rough. (laughs) It is, you know, and it's not, it's not played up a ton because things are moving really quickly, but I think there is definitely like that, that, that little bit of, of pathos there where it's like, I just went through, a trauma and now I have to, I basically have to relive that trauma again as a sacrifice to save people essentially, Mm -hmm. Um, which is pretty, you know, pretty powerful and also kind of fucked up. I'm pretty certain that when I was watching this the first time, I literally said to myself, Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I I felt real bad for him. Got, you know, beat up by his own suit in the last episode, like punched mm-hmm. in the face many times midair. Like, that's not a fun thing to come back from. Yeah. And he's at the point that he fully recognizes what the suit does to him. So it's not like he's just, like, craving being back in it and gives in. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. They don't do, like, a drug addiction allegory or anything this time. No. It's very much just, like, oh, this is really, truly 100% my last resort. And I think you believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they they raise the stakes enough. This is a good enemy to use for this moment and a good setting for them to do it. It's really clever. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. Very clever. So black suited once again, Spider-Man makes relatively quick work of stopping Ghost or at least, you know, sort of knocking him out or not fully knocking him out, but like he's able to knock him down. And Mm -hmm. Ghost realizes as a result of this that the suit Spider-Man is wearing can't be tech-based because he said... You know, he says, like, I can control all tech. Spider-Man's like, well, guess what? This isn't tech. Ghost uses this information. Spidey shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> uh, but Ghost <laughs> uses this. I mean, he doesn't know. But Ghost uses this information. He reactivates the Vulture Force. And all of them use their sonic screams against Spider-Man. Which I will say is a really lucky move. Because Ghost uh-huh. knows that it's not tech, so he can't control it. But he doesn't know that the sonics will work. That would be something he'd need to know from Norman. Norman's really the only one that knows that. And, uh, and tombs. Yeah. He's lucky that was the first thing that he tried. Like he didn't have auto attacking with his arms or whatever, you know? Well, I guess he couldn't have because he took out the power core or whatever. He didn't, he didn't use any other thing that existed except for the vulture force. Yeah. I think the, the sort of explanation is just like, he can't control it. So he's just using a weapon that isn't, isn't actually technology like sound i guess is is the argument and he does acknowledge like uh like oh so that that actually is a weakness of of yours huh like so Mm -hmm. they at least acknowledge that he didn't know and that it wasn't something he just like derived out of thin air but it is a 
certainly a coincidence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it works, obviously. <laughs> like, it, it, it causes the suit pain. Despite that, the suit is able to sort of escape the, the sonic blasts, but it has to take full control to do that. And so you see it shoot out tendrils, grab the, um, like, the vulture force, and then it does this cool thing where it sort of, like, like in the air pulls all of the suits in and it becomes this big black blob and you just sort of see it like pulse and sort of like writhe and then it like spits out all of the vulture tech and the 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 folks that were wearing it and it just like spits it all onto the ground so like you can kind of only imagine what was happening but it's like weird and gross and scary all at once because it's a thing spider-man never could have done yeah yeah (laughs) so after the symbiote kind of takes care of all the vulture force spider-man does what he does in the black suit and he begins to rage against ghost and just like in every other situation where somebody witnesses him doing this somebody calls out for him to stop and in this case it's tony max calls out to spider-man to tell him like that suit is alive because obviously well that's interesting (laughs) because we've been Wondering if Max knows that Peter is Spider-Man, but yeah. this would suggest otherwise. And he never because... really like questions. They don't ever question like how Spider-Man had those interactions with the the V two fifty two in the first place. Like obviously at this point, it's very clear that when Max saw Spider-Man in the last episode, it's because he had the V two fifty two on because he sees it happen now. And and between that and Spidey saying the same thing that Peter Parker said, like. They don't like the fact that Max isn't like, wait a minute, how did you get it in the first place? Like makes me be like, maybe because he knows that it's Peter Parker. Like that that would actually make more sense than them not really acknowledging that, you know. But but this this suggests otherwise, because Max calls out to Spider-Man to let him know the suit is alive, which Peter would know because Peter's the one who told Max. Oh, okay. I got that twisted in my head. Because yeah, I know you're right. Spider-Man doesn't tell Max. Spider-Man doesn't tell Max, Max tells Spider-Man. Yeah. Exactly. So, like, it's still unclear, but I think this probably suggests that he doesn't know, unless it's just a general, like, Spider-Man, you gotta get that off, because it's alive. Yeah, but, 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 no, you're right. It implies that he doesn't know, but I feel like after this is over, when he's thinking back on it, he could put the pieces together, because, again, how did Spider-Man have the black suit in the first place? Like, they don't ever question that, and now he he knows for sure that that's what is happening, you know? Yeah, I don't think it disqualifies Max from figuring it out, but it could mean that Max doesn't know yet, but still yeah. has all the pieces to figure it out. Yeah. Anyway, just had that realization as I was as I was going through that. But mm-hmm. um, Max calls out to him to say, like, the suit is alive. You need to get it off. Um, and Tony's surprised by this because Tony's like, I thought you said it wasn't alive and I thought you said it was safe. And Max is like, <laughs> sorry, dude. Spidey responds to Max as he calls out to for spider-man to take it off and he just says you know what max maybe you're just not the right person to control it implying of course that he is and tony responds to this by saying and i quote because i think it's good spider-man when ghost was an employee of mine he did have incredible ideas but i took them from him because he lost sight of their impact that's a little weird but the next part is good he wasn't acting responsibly, and I have to wonder if you're heading into similar territory. Changing your suit is one thing, but changing your moral compass is another. This is going to resonate with Spider-Man, and it does, but it's also clever because 
Iron Man is talking about changing your suit without changing who you are in the same episode where he's introducing his Mark 50, meaning he's already had 50 suits, you know? So <laughs> yeah. Tony Stark is sort of like poising himself as somebody who, despite changing, you know, his tools and his tactics and all this sort of stuff, hasn't lost sight of who he is, tries to use that to appeal to Spider-Man. Doesn't know that this specifically resonates with Peter, but obviously it right. would if you're talking about responsibility and morality. Right. Yeah, I know. I like it, too. I like it, too. Well, you know, Tony's talking about responsibility and morality. And, you know, that the, the concept of responsibility, obviously, is going to resonate with Spider-Man, of all people. So he uh, he's like, all right, I, I need your help with removing this suit. I can't do it on my own, um, particularly because the sonic enhancers were destroyed. And that was sort of our secret weapon against it. Um, Flash is, shows up and he's like, I can do it. I'm going to help you, Spidey. Let me get a crack at it. Spider-Man's like, I don't know if, like, Flash, like, that's cool, but I don't know if you can do it. And then Iron the Man The right does... thinking. That is the right thinking. Spider-Man's the only one who thinks correctly in that moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh, this no rando teenager. No one should teenager... be allowing Flash to touch that suit. <laughs> yeah, this rando teenager, like, <laughs> wants to help, which is nice, but, like, no. Leave it to, like, the superheroes. Iron Man, however, gives this whole little speech about how, like, it's not really a speech. It's just a sentiment. Now, like, if I've learned anything from the Avengers, it's that we're better as a team. We have to work together. I could have done without that. Not going to lie. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. It seems out of character for this Iron Man, too, because yeah. he doesn't seem like much of a team player in this. No. But then he's just like, I love teams. Like, oh, no, it's okay. Whatever. Yeah. So Flash and Iron Man work together because Iron Man really needed Flash to help him, I guess. Yeah. Um, work together to pull the suit off of Spider-Man. They're literally just yanking, just yanking this this this, uh, this black goop off of Spider-Man. The characteristics of it are so interesting in this show because, like, it's, like, goopy sometimes. But other times, you know, like, Peter has actually just just pulled it off. Like, it's just, like, a, like a gelatinous, like, cloth. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it's just, like... Like, just, like, the sticky, like, almost, like, chewing gum kind of consistency as they're pulling it away. I wonder, Um, you know, when we saw Max experimenting on it, it was in sort of a liquid or liquidy form, and then he was able to manipulate it into a solid that he called impenetrable. So mm -hmm. I wonder if this version of the symbiote can be sort of either liquid or solid, but not both at the same time. And so it has to sort of, like, make itself liquid to to sort of like act and attack but needs to make itself solid to stay on spider-man so it's like trying to anchor itself while it's also trying to like fight back that would explain a lot about it because otherwise it's just sort of like why can't you just be liquid and then they are grabbing for nothing but i like your interpretation of it where it's just like it, it has to be in one state or another depending on what it's doing yeah, yeah, because if it just turned to liquid, it would just, like, fall off of Peter or something. Yeah. I like that. I like that take a lot. But, yeah, they, they are able to sort of, like, pull the suit off, but there is one little bit where, as Flash is yanking it off, the symbiote wraps the tendrils around Flash's arms, and he gets, like, this vision, the same sort of vision and sensation that Spider-Man actually experienced on Coney Island the first time he touched it. And Flash is just sort of like, whoa, that was weird. It gave um, me the evil eye. <laughs> yeah, that's right that's right <laughs> but yeah you know so obviously like planting the seeds for something if you know flash's association yeah. with the venom symbiote in the comics we will see where that goes yeah. in, in the future we already it called is... out what we think it'll be <laughs> exactly exactly it's been seeded so it can yeah. happen um can i workshop that scene for a hot second yeah go for it because it is weird to me like you said like iron man needs flash's help 
I feel like you could have, and I know why they have Flash doing this. It's so that they concede the potential Flash Venom interaction later on. But I feel like you could have done something. They also wanted the teamwork thing, but I hate that part. So I feel I'm I'm gonna trash that part. Yeah, it's I feel like you can have it be an eager Flash who wants to help, grabs at the suit while Peter or while Spider Man's still wearing it and pulls, and Iron Man then he gets the sensation moment. And then Iron Man basically says, like, get out of here, kid, and then pulls it off himself. And then you don't have this weird situation where, like, Iron Man, leader of the Avengers, uh, <laughs> needs Flash's help, but Flash still gets the weird sort of, like, registering moment. Yeah. And then you also cut out the teamwork thing that we hate. <laughs> yeah, I like that much, much better. And it also justifies like why no other, none of the other Horizon kids like offer to help either. Like it's yeah. only Flash. Like not that I would want them to. No, like, they sh- responsibly shouldn't. But I think it would be in character for most of them to want to help because they yeah. get in on the action pretty frequently. But I feel like the show should acknowledge that Flash shouldn't be helping. Like Flash yeah. is touching it with his bare skin. Like that, we yeah. all know that that's bad. Yeah. They should yeah, treat it like it's, it's bad. <laughs> it's, a, it's an alien that possesses people by touching your skin. Yeah. Like, what What are yeah. you doing? <laughs> anyway, sorry. I just, I don't know. I felt like that scene could have worked just fine, and they just did it in a very bizarre way. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's very bizarre. <sighs> well, Otto has, meanwhile, been able to get control of his mechanical arms again. So um, once, once the symbiote is, like, off of Spider-Man, um, he manages to grab it and return it uh, to its canister, since uh, he's able to use his little cool not little opposite of little his his thick beefy mechanical arms with the being free to the symbiote suit spidey just whips right off which is to flash his surprise and disappointment because he was i think excited to hang out with his uh with his hero bud but yeah doesn't get to get much glory or thank you from spider-man for for helping him unfortunately security asks iron man if like they should pursue spider-man and iron man's like no let him go I was expecting a little bit more than that. I was expecting Iron Man to comment on like he's been through a lot or something like that. You know? Yeah, it's almost just like it it almost plays out like "Mm, you should, but we might as well just let him. Like it plays out like they're letting like the bad guy escape or something, right? And it's just like I feel like you should have a little more empathy for this kid, dude. Yeah. (laughs) What do you do? What's going on? No, he clearly just went through something traumatic. He doesn't want to hang around. He probably, like, needs a moment. Like, let him have it. Which would also be, like, a pretty humanizing moment for this Tony. I agree. I agree. Nope. Yeah, they kind of they kind of, they kind of whiff it on, 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 on some Tony in Iron Man stuff in this episode, just, like, well, in general. And the end of, as, as this is sort of, I guess, like, the reverse of maybe the last episode, the end of this episode tries to pack so much in that a lot of these yes. little things at the end are really rushed because they're trying to, like, they're they're kind of like doing a movie thing where they have like eight different endings so that they're they can set up their next movie, you know? Uh-huh. That's kind of what this episode does. Yeah, it feels like like a season finale in that regard. Not not necessarily the rest of the episode, but like the actual yeah. like, kind of last act of it definitely does because it feels mm-hmm. like they're trying to to tie up a lot of a lot of bows and then set up a bunch of future storylines at the same time. And it makes this episode really weirdly lopsided because it yeah, it's just like there's so much heft in the last act. That it's like could have been spread out earlier in the episode or established earlier or something like that or just yeah. saved for later. Yeah. So shortly after Spider-Man leaves uh, and they all sort of like catch their breath, Max praises Otto for snagging the symbiote and Otto apologizes to Max for attacking him, which, you know, wasn't even Otto's fault. 
Otto insists that once he's able to figure out how to attach the arms to a cerebral cortex, Yikes. the power source will no longer be needed, prohibiting anyone from ever taking control of the arms again, which makes sense because Miles specifically called out the fact that they were able to be taken control of because it had a power source. Max mm-hmm. also says yikes and basically says, Otto, I don't think you should continue working on those arms. Basically saying that Otto's pace is too rapid because Otto wants to connect them to a human brain, which is pretty fucking intense. And Otto's like, wait, no, but I know what I'm doing. And in probably the only the second time ever, Max just like cuts him off and is like, no, Otto, like yeah. stop. And if you keep doing what you're doing and if you keep going as fast as you are, I'm going to cut your funding, which obviously, you know, makes Otto sad and disappointed. Um, But ultimately, Otto's like, okay, fine, I get it, whatever you say. Your school, I think, is what he says, which is actually a pretty good line considering what happens next. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I like it in concept. I wish we would have seen some more setup for this. Agreed. It feels like it should be a big moment and a big fracturing of Otto and Max's relationship and a big, like, you know, big disappointing um, I mean, I, I feel like you could argue it, it could be played as like a soul crushing moment for Otto, but because this is literally the first we've ever seen of this project, like it's just like, oh, that that sucks. Okay. Yeah. Like it's just it 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 can it ideally in, in concept it's big, but it doesn't play as big because it's just kind of out of nowhere. <laughs> for what we can recognize or suspect is going to be a villain turn, it should be a mm-hmm. bigger deal. Yeah. I agree. But I, I don't I dislike the idea of what they're doing here, like you said. Yeah, I, I mean, and it's natural. I think, like, it makes sense on Max's side for the, the sort of journey he went on in this episode. Yeah. Um, and I, I like the way that that intersects with what is clearly meant to be, like, uh, the beginning of Otto's origin, villain origin story. I just wish <laughs> there was more on Otto's side for mm-hmm. that. But, all right, well, you know, we'll see where it goes beyond this, I guess. <laughs> Peter returns to the group and uh, Max apologizes for not believing Peter. And because, you know, because of the whole situation where Peter like did actually find, had really valuable findings when he stole the V252 for days and lied about it. Max is like, well, I shouldn't have, uh, you know, I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have just neglected everything you told me. So I'm actually going to reverse my earlier decision um, that was preventing uh, Peter's contributions from earning a grade. So like everything you did in the Stark Expo is going to count towards your grade. That's not accountability, Max. No. So Peter gets off scot-free for, again, stealing the science project for days and lying about it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> come on, man. Yeah. I like Peter and, you know, I don't want bad things to happen to him, but he should have gotten consequences from doing that objectively bad thing. A hundred percent. Unless this is yeah. meant to color Max a little bit more, I am bothered. But I was bothered last week when it happened too, so no surprise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Miles and Anya ask Tony, like, okay, so who gets the Stark Expo prize? Like, we didn't really get to go through all the big hullabaloo for that. Um, and Tony's like, I mean, everything's been destroyed except for one project. Only one project is still standing, and that is Flash's paper mache volcano. So guess Flash is just going to, by default, get the prize. <laughs> 
I, I do. What I like about this, because they do the whole thing, like Flash is just like, yeah, suck it, losers. Oh, I mean, I'm very humbled by this <laughs> reward. It's, it's nice, cute moment. What I really like about it is that, like, the Horizon High kids aren't, like, shitty about it. They're like, yeah. oh, great job, Flash, and the clap for him, which is nice because, like, They've won every fucking year. They don't need to win. Yeah. Let this let this dude who who as 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 irresponsible as it was for the adults to let him did have a major contribution in saving the day, and that's cool. Let him have his prize. He deserves it. That's great. His paper mache volcano is a work of art. I do like that too. I like that purely from the perspective of like, this is a kid show, and it's nice for them to include that. Does it make a ton of sense? I don't no, know. Not Probably at all. not. But it is really nice for them to just like celebrate flash because he won and because he did a good thing yeah yeah i like it it's cute it's nice i love it i like when people are nice yeah it also makes sense because his project is entirely not based on tech that's a good point that's a very good point that's why it's still standing (laughs) yeah i didn't even think about that that's so true yep it also explodes like on its own at this moment yeah like it just erupts (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, nearby, kind of, I think out of sight, it seems, Norman picks up pieces of the Vulture tech and calls the expo a waste because, you know, all of that stuff was destroyed. Harry, though, apologizes to Norman for, as he calls it, overreacting about not being permitted to show his glider because he says if they had, it would have been destroyed along with everything else, which is a little bit results-oriented thinking for somebody as smart as Harry. So, hmm. <laughs> I think this kid is in denial frequently yeah. about things. Yeah, so. <laughs> which makes sense given the circumstances, right? Like, yeah. he's in a weird position. Like, this is an opportunity for him to affirm and please his dad, who yeah. is rapidly uh, and, and increasingly disapproving of Harry. So yeah. it's sort of like, let me present you with a silver lining here. Uh, and, you know, he's going to buy his own lie because it's it's – gonna work for norman and it does work for norman because norman responds well then we didn't lose here after all we gained something more valuable which is clarity and i should point out harry even says he doesn't just say like it's good we have the glider but he says like maybe you're right maybe it is meant for something greater which yikes red flag red flag <laughs> uh-huh oy, oy, oy. yep 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 any i mean any time that harry is agreeing with norman on anything it's never good yeah so. yep yikes. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Tony tells Max that he intends to take the symbiote to the Avengers compound, and Max doesn't put up any resistance. That's probably the safest place for it to be. Uh, Tony says that it was a pleasure to meet Peter, um, and actually that Max has sung Peter's praises already. So Peter is good in Tony's eyes, and then Peter messes that up by embarrassing himself once again by saying, I wish I was a gooey black substance. I could go back to the Avengers compound with you, you (laughs) fucking freak. It's such a weird thing to say. Good. Like I I am on board with Peter embarrassing himself in front of his yeah. in front of his one of his science totally. heroes. That is the creepiest fucking thing they could possibly possibly in a million years have him say. Like that's some stalker shit. Don't no. Don't like that. Uh-uh. It would be a lot weirder if he wasn't 16 years old. <laughs> fair and i mean this peter parker does say weird shit like all the time yeah. so like it's not that weird i guess out of, no like, it's in still context. weird it's still weird it's still weird it just doesn't come i think with the 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 same connotation as if he were like a full-fledged adult saying these things <laughs> true yeah <sighs> uh. 
Uh, well, later on, so so Tony just leaves without like filing restraining order, which is nice. Um, later on, Norman approaches Otto and actually praises his mechanical arms. Otto sarcastically thanks Norman, implying that the arms are no good without the ability to continue his research as intended, which we know Max has put the uh, like just uh, just nixed completely. Norman then gives Otto his card and says that Otto will find additional funding to work as he pleases if he joins them at Osborne Academy. Hmm. Dun, dun, dun. Hmm. We don't see Otto agree, but we can assume that at some point he will end up there, if not pretty immediately. So yeah. now we know yeah. how that's going to happen. I actually wasn't sure if that was going to happen. I, I wasn't really sure what to expect of Otto Octavius, given that he was a professor at Horizon High. Um, yeah. so that's, that's an interesting turn. We'll, we'll see how it plays out because I, I could be of two minds about it depending on how it goes. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. I, yeah. Well, I love the way that this episode ends. <laughs> I think it's really fun, uh, because outside the expo, Peter catches up with Iron Man to ask for the autograph that he was upset. He didn't ask for before Iron Man left and Iron Man does agree to give him an, an autograph. But as he's doing that, the two have a conversation about Spider-Man in which Tony admits that Spider-Man is on his way to becoming a good hero, but Spider-Man really needs a mentor, much like Peter is uh, on his way to becoming a great scientist, but has Max as a mentor. And Iron Man assures Peter that (laughs) Spider-Man can call on Iron Man in the same way if Spider-Man were to need it. And Peter replies that he's sure Spider-Man knows that. (laughs) And it's a very funny conversation because I think it is made abundantly clear that at this point, Iron Man knows he's talking to Spider-Man and is just trying to say all these things without explicitly saying to Peter, I know you are Spider-Man. You can ask me for help if you need it. But And I don't think it's implied that Peter is catching on at all. So like, (laughs) oh, you don't think so? I don't know. I, I think, think maybe. I think hmm. the fact that Peter says, I'm sure Spider-Man knows that is at least pointing in the direction of him catching on. That's true. Yeah, I don't know. I guess it could go either way. It could go either way. Yeah. It's very clear that Iron Man knows Peter is Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I guess it isn't It isn't super clear. They could, they could, they could, if this is meant to point him in the direction of knowing that Iron Man knows, they could very easily just roll it back and it wouldn't be weird. So, yeah. yeah, I guess I'll be curious to see see if Peter knows that or not. But he could. I don't know. I just like the conversation because it was, it was very much like uh, conversations we've seen in other shows where it's like, do you or do you not know? But in this case, it's a little bit clearer. <laughs> yeah. Or I guess it's just as clear. I guess because nobody's outright saying anything. Yeah. Yeah. In any case, the episode ends with Iron Man encouraging Peter to lift a barbell or something. Uh, so that Tony Stark isn't the only, uh, what does he say? Like scientist stud or something like that. Something like that. <laughs> and yeah, then he flies away. Mm-hmm. Also the autograph, he did leave an autograph for Peter, but the autograph says to Paul instead of Peter. Which again, I think Tony's a troll. He knows that kid's so name is Peter. <laughs> yeah, he definitely does. He's just being a dick. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Well, a couple faces of the episode here. One of them, I just, actually, I think both of these really just have to do with significant moments in the episode. And one of them is of Tony as he figures out that Peter is Spider-Man right after that handshake. There's this, it's two, two expressions he gives. One of them is sort of like a puzzled eyebrow up face. And then immediately after that, this sort of like 
happy moment of realization right before Norman walks in the door. And that is sort of like what clues clues you in to realizing like, oh shit, somebody actually finally knows who Spider-Man is in this show, and it's Tony Stark, which just feels like a significant moment. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. And then the other one is, I don't know if it's really that much of a face of the episode. I guess there's a pretty cool face involved, but... One of the faces is cool. One of the faces is cool. (laughs) The other one is just very, I think it's a cool frame and it's animated really, really well. I agree, Um, yeah. But this was the moment where the symbiote wraps its tendrils around Flash. And I literally was like screaming in my apartment, like, Flash is Venom, Flash is Venom, Flash is Venom. Um, And we don't really know that, but we kind of have an idea probably... And so yeah. I grabbed I grabbed the moment where Flash is grabbed by the symbiote and sort of looks worried. But more importantly, I grabbed the Venom face that flashes in Flash's mind because uh, it looks very cool. Yeah, is uh, I, I agree. I think the Venom face looks really cool. Uh, yeah, and I like the moment with Flash. Do you, is it is Flash supposed to have like a scar on his eyebrow? Is that what they're what they're trying to go for with his design? It could be or. Or is it supposed to be like an eyebrow like ring that's just not detailed? Oh, uh, I don't think it's. I don't think that's what it is. I think it's. It's got to be a scar. I would be surprised. Yeah, I'd be surprised if it was an eyebrow ring. Um, but yeah, probably a scar. I honestly, to be totally honest, I didn't even notice it, so I'm not yeah. sure. It's. I mean, it's a minor thing. I mean, I think that's just kind of a cool detail. If that's what that is, because yeah. you no know, kids never have scars on shows, especially yeah. when they have. Like just this uh, minimal detail, like this one does. Yeah, and it actually it's it's a it's a cool detail because it actually makes sense for a football player to have like a, a, a scar on his brow because he's probably he's pr- not, if not cracked his head open, obviously, but like uh, you know that's a point of impact, so it makes sense that he would have would have gotten beaten up on his brow. Yeah, um, yeah. This episode was interesting. One one thing that I didn't mention earlier, I do think it's kind of funny that uh, an episode with a Marvel hero crossover where like the bad guy is going after like discs, like gaming major Marvel discourse. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, especially because uh, Iron Man's in this one. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I like it, and and uh, you know, this is this is a tenuous connection, but. Uh, Marvel Discourse, obviously an anime, and I do feel like this show in particular likes to draw the symbiote in ways that really evoke certain like anime style uh, mm-hmm. animation, like this yeah. this grab of uh, of the symbiote grabbing Flash feels very very much like uh, anime goop. It's been I feel like this show in general I, in little moments have have surprised me with like how anime it gets sometimes mm-hmm. and i think it's progressively doing it a little more and more which i yeah. like because i think there's a particular flair that that works for this show when it like actually goes like that di- kind of dives deep into that style yeah um and i'm kind of excited to see what more what more they do with that yeah but i agree i uh i like this episode or or i should say i guess i enjoy this episode it's 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 tough because it it packs in so much and yeah. if you really separate it into the sort of main main conflict of the episode being Iron Man, Ghost, and Spider Man. That's like fine. And if you if you look at all the things that it sets up, like all of those things are sort of disparate and fine. And I I wonder if maybe this all only kind of works together because both of those things individually aren't like the strongest thing the show has done on its own. You know? Yeah. And yeah. so if you combine them all, you end up with more compelling stuff overall or in in total. 
um but it it still ends up being an episode with like lots and lots of things happening like i like i said it has like seven endings so yeah i it's, uh, i did I not like it's... it but it i have, i would have a hard time qualifying it as one of the better episodes of the show it's a messy one for sure like it's just yeah there's a lot happening and it, like it's um I don't know. It's 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 chaotic on purpose, but I think the result of that is that like it's hard to really like parse it in a significant way because it's not just like what it's not just the chaos episode. It's the chaos episode that also is making like a ton of headway with all of its major storylines and like wrapping up some of them and establishing new ones and it's just like it's like this vitally important episode that's also just like just like a lot happening in it that's also just really silly at the same time so it's uh it's it's a weird one but yeah it's it's fine um i think that's i wouldn't be surprised if we run into this sort of thing multiple times in this show considering how much it's it's juggling at any given time that i think we'll just occasionally probably come into episodes that are just like everything is happening at once because it needs to happen because so much is already happening you know yeah but uh yeah, it's definitely it's but yeah, it's not bad. It's still fun. It still has the stuff that's because there is so much in it, that means that you can pick out a lot of individual things that work really really well. So. Yeah. I still think yeah. that despite this not necess- like I wouldn't, you know, if we are, if we do rankings, which we don't really do, like if we were to do rankings, I don't think this would rank especially high, but I do think that this week's episode and last week's episode would still be very memorable episodes even as we get deeper and deeper into this series because both of them have incredibly memorable moments that like mm-hmm. evoked a lot of emotion at least in me like specific things where i was like whoa you know mm-hmm. um so if nothing else they're going to be memorable for those things but is ghost going to end up being memorable eh probably not yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, if anything the show is a lot a lot less predictable than i ever would have expected it um yeah with how it with how it progresses things and move stuff along mm-hmm. so still still no less excited to see what's going to happen going forward totally than i have been well if you'd like to see more from us you can join our patreon at patreon.com slash walloping web snappers where we've got lots of great bonus content uh, lots of like mini episodes where we cover other stuff like other comics related to spider-man um other other tv shows uh other just lots of special stuff and some things that aren't related to spider-man um we've got plenty of commentaries that are just on shows that maybe are tangentially related to what we've covered but sometimes they're just things that we wanted to watch and get drunk and talk about so check us out there for lots of fun goodies otherwise if you'd like to find us individually on the internet where can we find you doug you can find me on twitter at ikibuli i-c-k-y-b-o-o-l-e-y you can also find me on another podcast here on the four-eyed radio network called victory road a pokemon podcast where my co-host kyle and i talk about pokemon just as we feel like it and you can find me on another podcast called novel gaming with my friends katie and vicky it's a podcast about books and video games with a splash of other pop culture what about you derek you can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. You can also find me on YouTube under my video essay series, Second Chance, which looks at bad or divisive media, but from a positive lens. If you'd like to hear more from both Doug and I, we have a monthly podcast that we also do called Falling with Style, an ongoing Pixar movie marathon. And with that, we're watching every Pixar film chronologically. So as of right now, our most recent episode is on The Incredibles, and that's currently out now. You can get that available wherever you get your podcasts. 
You can also find those episodes as, as well as episodes of Walloping Web Snappers all archived on our website, wallopingwebsnappers.com. It's all neatly organized into different categories. So if you want to look up uh, episodes just by show, if you want to just look up episodes of Spider-Woman or Spectacular Spider-Man or Spider-Man Unlimited um, individually, you can look them up by those categories. And all the faces of the episode and goodies are there. So uh, feel free to check that out. You can also follow us on our social media at Walloping Web Pod or email us at wallopingwebsnapperspodcast at gmail.com. We would also love it if you would rate, review, and subscribe to us on any major podcast platform like Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. Any, any type of rating and review you do is just going to help people uh, find our podcast if they're interested. So, Otherwise, next week, another spider person finally gets the spotlight. Oh. In the episode, Ultimate Spider-Man. It's just going to be Drake Bell guest starring as the alternate universe Ultimate Spider-Man. Don't say crossover. that. Don't say that. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> well, I can't wait. I'm not going to lie. I didn't even know what episode was next, so I'm hyped. Nice. See ya. Bye.